Right now, I'm going to bring up a friend. He's a friend of the Twin Cities, and he's a friend of the United Van. A few years ago, he prayed over the loudspeaker from California. He's come all the way to share God's word with us tonight. I want you guys to join me, giving a warm welcome to Francis Chan. Thank you. I was so not expecting this tonight. I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I, this, is, this is amazing. This is so cool that so many of you have come together tonight to come into his presence. I mean, it's an honor to come into his presence. We should be flocking to prayer meetings. So when it happens, it's, it's just exciting for me to see that there are people in Minnesota, in, are we in Minneapolis? Minneapolis, that... Uh, that are going, you know what, this is worth the traffic, worth the rain, worth whatever. I just want to be in the presence of God with his people. So uh, would you, um, I know you've prayed a lot tonight, but that's what you came to do. And so can we, uh, can we just block everything out again and just fill our minds with only him? Can we just try with our eyes closed imagining who it is up there in heaven who is listening to us right now in all of his glory the creator who's keeping all of us alive right now and giving us the capacity to think and to think about him God, it seems like the angels can see you so clearly in Scripture. They understand your majesty, your holiness, Father. And God, I pray that you would give us a glimpse of that tonight, Lord, so we don't just casually come into your presence and so that I don't casually just open up your word, but that we would respect you and honor you and worship you the way that you deserve to be worshipped. You are a holy, holy, holy God. God, it's only because of you and what you did on that cross that we dare come into your presence. So we thank you for Jesus. We are here because of Jesus. He is holy. He is wonderful. He is our Savior. He's our king. And God, tonight we want this to be about him and him alone. God, right now, would you just tear down any idols in our lives? If there's anyone here that is here for another reason other than you and to come into your presence, would you rid them of those thoughts right now? Purify their minds. Satan wants to distract us from you tonight. So God, we ask that you would clear our minds and then fill our thoughts with you and you alone so that you alone are worshiped tonight. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that's been on my mind for the last probably week and a half, and um, I wasn't going to teach it tonight, but I do want to at least read it, and we'll see where it goes. But it's, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3. These words have just really hit me, and I, I just taught on it Sunday morning, so it's fresh in my mind. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this, understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. In the last days there will come times of difficulty. That, that phrase, times of difficulty, means terrible times. He's telling Timothy, he's telling this pastor, look, when the end is drawing near, which I think a lot of us believe it is, he says, when the end draw near, draws near, it's going to get terrible. And then he goes on to explain why it's going to be so terrible. He says this, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people." He says it's going to be terrible in the last days because of the character of these people. But the crazy thing is if you study 2 Timothy, he's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. And he's talking about how in the church, he's not talking about atheists here. He's talking about people who claim to have some form of godliness. Later on, he says they keep learning, 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 but they never really come to a knowledge of the truth. And he says the reason why it's going to be so terrible in the last days is because in the church, people are actually going to become lovers of self. They're actually going to love pleasure rather than really loving God. And, and, and this phrase, lovers of self, I was reading one commentary that says, this is really the sewer pipe from which all the rest of the garbage flows. It's because people are so in love with people, with themselves, that they're… Because think about it. Why do people love money? Because they love themselves. I love me, and me wants money, so I love money now. Why are they proud? Because they love themselves. Why are they arrogant? Because they love themselves. Why are they abusive? Because they don't care about the other person. They care about themselves. I was always told that, that, that every man is either a protector or a predator. And those who are abusive, it's because you, you're not thinking about her. You're not thinking about the other person. You're thinking about yourself. They become, it, it's all about this love of self. And he says it's going to creep into the church, where even in the church, people are going to start loving themselves. You guys understand, sociologists today are saying this is the most narcissistic culture in all of human history by a long shot. That you're growing up in the most self-centered culture ever in the history of the world. That's what they're saying. 
it's so strange to the rest of history, but it's normal to us that, that we think it's normal that everyone should be making a page about themselves and posting the best pictures of themselves, bring their arms like this to look thinner. It, it, this is, we've accepted this as normal. Of course I love myself and I'm gonna show myself to the world the best part of me. And, and yet the Bible says it's gonna get terrible in the last days because they're gonna be all about themselves. They're gonna love themselves. And you guys, loving yourself is not love. It's the opposite of love. Man, it, I remember it started when I was in high school. When I was in high school, there was this song, Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all is learning to love yourself. It's the greatest love of all. And the Bible says the opposite. He says, hey, be careful. It's going to get terrible in the last days. You guys are going to think it's weird, but people are actually going to love themselves. See, this culture that we're growing up in, I understand this is the norm, but what the Bible is saying, but not you, not the church. Don't you get proud? Don't you get arrogant? And this has crept into the church where, where you guys, it's even crept into church leadership. We're leaders, we can, we can start liking seeing our names on things and our faces on things, and we become a lover of self rather than a lover of God. It talks about people being lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Man, and nowadays, we're even trying to attract people into the church through pleasure. Not through God, we're saying, hey, you, you wanna get rich? Come to the church. Because it's about you. You want to get rich? You want a good family? You want this? You want that? Come to the church. God will give this to you. And then they come wanting this stuff, wanting this pleasure, but not really wanting Him. And the Bible says, be careful. He says, in the last days, this is what's going to happen. They're going to be lovers of self. Lovers of money, the greed. I think we'd be shocked if we knew what people were doing for money right now in the church. Arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. See, we read something like that, we're like, that doesn't even bother you, does it? You gotta understand when this is written, people were like, shut up. No one's going to disobey their parents. But it's normal now. Now we're shocked if we ever see a kid who actually does obey their parents. And this is in the church. You don't believe me? Volunteer for kids ministry this Sunday. It's, I'm serious, it's insane. You guys, but the Bible says, see, this is the crazy thing is I'm reading this list and so many of these things are normal in the church. Don't you get that? That it's okay to be all about yourself in the church. And it's okay, it's not even strange to us that kids don't, that don't, they don't obey their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, 
Let me just say something about this phrase, unholy. Okay, when I was growing up in church, we would talk about holiness, man, purity, saving yourself for marriage. We would talk about, man, I don't want my eyes to see anything sinful. I don't want to look at those magazines which are now just on your phones. I don't even want to look at a girl in the wrong way. I want to see them as sisters. This is what we were thinking about, holiness, 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 and it was great. Man, that part was good, but what bothered me about the church was a lot of times we didn't care about the poor. We didn't care about the lost. We didn't care about people who were being trafficked. And a lot of these social issues, no one cared about it, and it started bugging me. A lot of you guys know that, man. I, I started speaking up, like, come on. We can't spend all our money on ourselves in the church. We can't just be this and this and this and just all be about ourselves. Man, we got to get out there. we got to get out there. we got to risk our lives for these people. Yeah. And so, man, I've been blown away by what's happened in the last 10, 15 years in the church where a lot of you are going, man, I'll go anywhere. I'll give my life. I'll sacrifice for them. I'll die rescuing girls from human trafficking. Man, and, and I love that. I love that passion. However, as we've swung and started pursuing these things which don't stop, I'm saying we've left behind some very important things such as holiness, such as the gospel. And this idea of personal purity has fallen by the wayside and we've replaced it with, yeah, but I care about the poor and I'm going and I'm rescuing these, yeah, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, yeah, I'm addicted to pornography, yeah, this, 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 but I'm doing these things, and you guys know it's not about either or. The church was meant to be holy. We're supposed to be set apart. And we stand on the truth of this book, which is not popular nowadays. He says, in the last times, people are going to just start looking for teachers to tell them what they want to hear. But he goes, you keep teaching this book, and this is what's being lost now in this generation that's wanting to do these things that are very biblical. Go, get to the hungry, get to the starving, get to those with unclean water, but don't leave the gospel behind because now suddenly it's actually very acceptable in the world to talk about human trafficking. Everyone's going to applaud you for that. It's very acceptable to talk about getting food to the hungry and getting water to those who, who have no clean water. Please do that, but that's very acceptable to the world. What's rejected is the truth of this book. And the question is, is who's going to stand up and say, you know what, this is still sin, this is sin, this is sin, this is wrong. But what's going to change all of this is the verse I wanted to focus on tonight, which is the verse we usually claim on the National Day of Prayer, which is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear them from heaven and forgive them of their sins and, and heal their land. 
And my prayer is, God, would you just heal the church right now? Will you purify her, make her beautiful again? But he starts off that sentence with the word, if. If my people. Okay, I understand. We came here to pray, but do you know there are many times in Scripture when God says, I'm not listening to your prayers. I mean, he says in Amos, he goes, oh, I can't stand the noise of your songs. Do you know that God in heaven is going, oh, would you quit singing? I can't stand the noise of your songs. In Malachi chapter 1, he goes, man, I wish they would just shut the doors to that temple. They're giving me sacrifices that I don't want. There are times when God doesn't listen. I know this, doesn't, this isn't a very popular thought, but just because you pray doesn't mean God is listening. Okay? Understand that. Read this book, and I know it's popular to say, oh, just, just throw your thoughts up there. God hears everyone. Read this. There are times when he says, man, you're fasting, Isaiah 58, you're fasting and praying, but I'm not listening to you. He goes, start caring for the poor, and then I'll say, here I am. Start doing the things I ask for. In James chapter 1, he says, if you're going to pray and you're going to doubt, I'm not going to listen to you. He goes, you won't receive anything. Then later in James, he says, if you're praying to to spend whatever you're praying for on your own selfish desires, he goes, you're going to ask, and I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to listen. In 1 Peter 3, he tells the men, he goes, men, you better treat your wives with honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. (laughs) But he says, look, if you're not treating your wife with that type of respect, why are you praying? I'm not listening to that. And so here he says, if my people, if my people, okay, not just anyone can pray. God says, if my people who are called by my name. Okay, again, let me just tell you, this book is probably the most politically incorrect book on the planet. I know we live in a time when it's like, well, just pray to whatever you believe in as long as you're sincere. And I'm, I'm all for that. Pray, pray to whoever you want, whatever you want. And I am just telling you, it's not going to work, though. Okay? That is the teaching of Scripture. He says, if my people who are called by my name, it's conditional again. Because I'll just listen to everyone. He goes, if my people who are called by my name. That's why we have stories in this book, like in, in, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. Remember Elijah when he's on Mount Carmel? Remember that with the prophets of Baal? And the prophets of Baal are praying to their God. And what does Elijah do? Does he say, oh, that's very beautiful. I'm not going to judge you. 
No, he mocks them and says, hey, keep on praying. See if anyone listens. They start cutting each other. He goes, oh, that's great. Elijah literally says, maybe your God is on vacation or maybe your God is relieving himself. Those are his words. That's what is in Scripture, 1 Kings chapter 18. He says, maybe your God's going potty because nothing's happening right now. That's offensive. I'm just telling you, if you're a teacher of this book and you're not offending anyone, then you're deceiving a lot of people. Because the message of this book is offensive. I'm not saying that I ever try to offend. I'm just saying this is a very offensive book. And if you're honest with it, your messages will be offensive at times. I believe it's the most beautiful, amazing book. But you know, they, you know when, when they talked about false teaching, I, I love what he says in Isaiah. In Isaiah, he starts talking about, Isaiah talks about those who worship idols. And I know that's, you know, we shouldn't say anything. We shouldn't judge. I'm just saying here's what Isaiah says about, this is what God says. God says in Isaiah 44, verse 6, I am the first, I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. He goes, there's no one except for me. And then later on, he talks about those who make idols. And, And in verse 18, he says, they don't, They know not, nor do they discern. He has shut their eyes so they cannot see, their hearts so they cannot understand. Listen to this. He goes, no one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, hmm, he's talking about this tree. He goes, half of it I burned in the fire, I baked bread on its coals, I roasted meat and have eaten, and shall I make the rest of it into an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He says, these people, he goes, they'll chop down a tree. He says, half of it, they'll, they'll burn it and make a fire, keep themselves warm, bake bread. He goes, then the other half, they'll chisel it into an idol and go, you are my creator. And Isaiah goes, do they not get it? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray, and he cannot deliver himself or say, is there not a lie in my right hand? That's how the Scriptures speak about believing in other things. That's why one of the commandments is, you shall have no other gods before me. Why is God saying that? He's saying because he loves us. And he says, you can pray all day to this to this." water bottle, and I'm going to judge you for it. Go ahead, pray all day. See what happens. Nothing. It's just like the prophets of Baal were praying all day to their God, and what happened? Nothing. And he goes, you could go chop down a tree right now. Go ahead, chop down a tree and build yourself something and say, you created me, and start praying to it and see what happens. Nothing but it's about those, he says, if my people, my people who are called by my name, the name of Yahweh. Jesus says, look, there's no other name in heaven or on earth, no other name that will save you. And I, 
Look, as a kid, I was raised Buddhist. I grew up Buddhist. I remember sitting in the temples, talking to these statues, just wishing, wishing that I'd hear something back. Never. Look, I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm not, I don't claim to be this brilliant scholar. I just read this book over and over and over again. And I started praying to the God of this book. And I'm telling you, the craziest things have happened. The most amazing things have happened. But it's not just a careless, hey, God, hey, give me this, give me this. No, it's if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You guys think about this. When's the last time you humbled yourself and prayed? When's the last time you humbled yourself and you thought about whose presence you were coming into and you thought, I have no business coming before you. This is insane. I am in your presence, God. There, there's a verse that, that hit me um, a few years back when I was just reading over Hebrews, and it was in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. It's talking about Jesus. Listen to this. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Listen to this. And he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus. He says when Jesus was on the earth, he would pray to God and he would pray these cries. He would, he would pray with tears. And the Bible says that Jesus was heard because of his reverence. Man, if Jesus saw the need to revere the Father and come before the God, God the Father humbly with reverence, understanding who He is, and to, and to pray passionately and with tears and going, God, I revere you and I pray to you that way. And the Bible says He was heard because of that. Then for us, how dare we just kind of casually go, hey, hey, big guy. How dare we just care, casually, you know, throw up prayers so that, you know, I don't want to be offensive. <laughs> I guess I kind of do. But I'm just saying, even leaders, look, sometimes I'll get on a stage, and if I'm not careful, I'll just casually pray and not even think about who I'm talking to. And there have been times when I was praying just to fill time so that they could move the stage or something like that or the singers could get into place. And, 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 but when we just kind of casually do this, uh, God, thank you for this day. It, it's been so good just worshiping in your presence. You guys, that's, that's not reverence. I'm just letting you know. I really want you to think through because my prayer is, okay, we live in a crazy time. 
And I'm hearing about fewer and fewer people who just revere God, who can turn off their phones, get away from everything else, and just be alone in the presence of God and go, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. This is so amazing. That's why the Bible says, if, if, it's conditional, if my people who are called by my name, see, not just anyone can come into the presence of God. Man, in, in, in the time when this was written, you could never just walk into a king's chambers. You can't just walk into wherever the king was. You'd get killed. You don't just walk into his presence. And that's before a human being. So we don't just casually come in the presence of God. We come because of the blood of Jesus. You have to, you have to be covered by the blood of Jesus. Just like back then, you, you never just walked into the Holy of Holies in the temple. You would die. And that's why he says you have to come called by my name, if you would humble yourselves and pray and seek my face. Not just seek stuff, but seek his face. Hey guys, I hear a lot about brilliant teachers in the church, great communicators. I hear about great music, great leaders. But I'm trying to think the last time I just heard of someone who just deeply loves Jesus, someone who's known for just being a lover of God someone who's on the front of a Christian magazine because he just loves being in the presence of God and he's just constantly on his face before God in prayer and he love, love, loves him. When's the last time you, you, you heard about a, a gal who's just so deeply in love with Jesus that it's exemplary and we should follow that example where we love Him, and that's the greatest command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. It's, it's about His people called by His name, humbling themselves, praying, and seeking His face. Like, like David says in Psalm 27, this is the one thing I'm asking for, Lord. Can I just dwell, God? If there's one thing I can have, can I just dwell in your temple all the days of my life? And can I just see your beauty? Like, that's all I want. I just want, I just want to just stare at you every day of my life and just love you and be with you and know you and adore you. That's what I'm praying for. The one thing I ask. That's what God asked. That's what David asked. The one thing I asked for. And if I could get a transcript of your prayers of this last month, if I could just get a transcript, a written transcript of everything you prayed for in April, what would I learn about you? What's the one thing you wanted? Was it just to seek the face of God? See, my prayer as I was flying, I just flew out here, just, just got here like an hour ago. And on that plane, I was saying, God, 
could you do something just supernatural? Like, could there just be a group of people? I don't know how many of you, but tonight, could you start something where people just want to be with you? Like, they hunger for you. Like, they just want to get away from all the other people, or away from all their gadgets, away from trying to accomplish this, accomplish that, where people will just be lovers of you. Could there be a new generation that rises up that doesn't depend on strategy so much. I'm not saying it's wrong to strategize. Okay, don't judge me. I'm just saying what I read about in this book that what changes the world is not the smartest people. Where do you find that? The most strategic people, the most popular people. What changed the world was were the people who knew God and, and came into His presence and go, God, it's me again. It was about people who prayed deeply and sincerely and, and they were just face to face with God and that one person's prayers would change everything. That's what this book is about. I'm just going, God, I don't hear about that anymore. I don't hear a lot about people who pray. I hear about brilliant people with great strategies, famous people going to their churches, this and that and whatever else, but where are just the lovers of God who stand on the Word of God and will be rejected? But they, that's cool because their life's ambition is just to be in the presence of God. See, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Let's not forget that. It's if. You can't just go into His presence. I was praying with some of your pastors just an hour ago, and we were talking about the story of Achan and where his sin affected everyone else. And because of his sin, God wouldn't even listen to the prayers of Israel, and they're being defeated in a battle. See, because you can't just pray to God you have to come, be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Confess your sins tonight. Repent of your sins tonight. We've already talked about this. I don't need to belabor it. If we want to be a generation that He listens to, then let's humble ourselves. We enter by the blood of Christ. We seek His face. We turn from our wicked ways. He says, then, if then, then will I hear you from heaven. And isn't that the goal tonight? I mean, seriously, guys, I hope you're not here just to get fired up and get some sort of feeling. But I hope you came tonight because you thought, what if he, the one who flooded the earth, the one who made every human being on the earth, what if he literally heard my prayers tonight? See, you guys, I'm telling you, and I will close with this. You guys, I'm 47 years old, okay? I've seen a lot of, you don't need to clap for that. It's not that hard.
Um, I'm 47 years old. I've experienced so many things in this world, but I will tell you, hands down, the greatest experiences of my life have been the times when I prayed and God heard me. And he answered my prayers in a way where I'm like shaking and I've got the chills and I'm in tears going, I just spoke to him. I mean, he literally listened to me. It's, I'm telling you, I've had great experiences. You know, I have seven kids watching their births, this, that, married to a beautiful woman, 21 years, seen all sorts of things. Nothing compares to the time when I'm humbling myself before God and I'm seeking His face and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm talking to the one who made everything. I'm talking to the being who, who's in charge of the whole world and in charge of my eternal destiny. I, I asked him for this and he listened to me and he, he responded in a way that went way beyond what I could have even expected in that prayer time. And I just get the chills. And I'm telling you, there's no, no secure, more secure feeling to go, man, God listens to me. God hears my voice. I'm known by Him. It's one thing to, to know that He's my Creator. It's another thing to know Him and be known by Him. And go, He listens to my voice. And I hear so many people who tell me, God doesn't answer my prayers that way. I don't know Him like that. And I'm saying, well, have you read the Scriptures? Because He doesn't just listen to everyone. It's if. My people, do you trust in the blood of Jesus? That's why you can come in the presence of God. Do you humble yourselves? Do you seek His face and His will and say, your will be done? Do you turn from your wicked ways? Evaluate your life. You can't just flippantly come into His presence. You can. It just won't do anything. You pray with faith, believing. So I'd like us to bow our heads right now. And I'd like us all to pray to Him. But first, I've got to ask you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who took the form of a man and died in the flesh on a cross to pay for your sins? That He was buried and He rose from the grave and ascended into heaven is going to return to judge the world? And it's only because of your belief in that that you dare enter into His presence because of His righteousness. I'm going to ask you right now to take some time to turn from your wicked ways. Confess anything in your life where you know God hates this. If you've been a lover of self, 
a lover of pleasure, proud, abusive, disobedient to your parents, greedy, confess it. Let's humble ourselves. Remember who we're talking to. God, we just seek your face right now. God, we want to experience you. If that means suffering, then so be it. We want you more than comfort. If that means things in our life go the opposite of how we want them to go, but we get to know you better, then God, so be it. You're worth it, you're beautiful, you're wonderful. We've come here to worship you tonight because all the riches of heaven belong to us. The righteousness of Christ belongs to us. All of eternity with you belongs to us who trust in your Son. And so, Father, we'll suffer whatever we need to on this earth. God, help us to protect your church from being self-centered, arrogant, greedy, abusive, lovers of pleasure. Make us lovers of you. Help us to see you, that you're so much better than everything on this planet. You're the creator of it all. No one will ever love us like you. There's no love on this earth that comes close to yours. Not for anything we've done, it's all because of Jesus. You are brilliant. You're amazing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
who was and is and is to come again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We worship you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. We just want to sit in this moment just for a few more minutes. Some of you guys are here and uh, maybe you've never gone to a church. Maybe you've never had any kind of connection with God. As I was listening to Francis, I kept thinking of uh, a psalm that David wrote. And he wrote about the holiness of God, right? And he wrote about uh, coming before God. He said, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? And David said, only those with clean hands and a pure heart, those who do not lift up their soul to an idol or swear by what is false. And then David says this. He says, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Now, tonight, there's kind of this theme that we've been praying for the last couple years at Unite. We've been talking about this word of reset. And reset is a word that we're all familiar with. You know, you mess up your phone or your computer and you hit the reset button. I mean, it gets it working again. Reset by definition means to get the system working toward its created purpose. So when you hit reset, basically what your phone does or your computer does is it categorizes all of the things that you've done wrong. It grabs them and it throws them in the junk folder and then it deletes those things so that it can work again. And when we talk about repentance, what we're talking about is really asking, what is it in your life that you need to be reset from? And to get very specific, some of you, maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. Last year, there was over 300 people at Unite that said, for the first time tonight, I'm surrendering to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And maybe that's you tonight. But maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, I've been a believer, but I need a reset in my faith. I need a reset in my devotion to God, sort of in my reverence. And, you know, I got these pieces of paper here, and, and I think about these things sometimes. Like, what is it in my life? I got a, a trash bin here. And, in fact, we travel around the country. We invite people to fill out these reset cards. And we say, what is it in your life that you need to be reset from? And I don't know for you tonight, if you could say, Jesus, will you reset my blank? I don't know what it would be for you. I mean, maybe for you, maybe you're like, Jesus, would you reset my pride? And so you're filling out this card. And you're like, God, I got a lot of pride, a lot of junk in my life. Would you reset that? Maybe for you, you're like, God, would you reset my purity? Maybe you've made some decisions or done some things. And you're like, man, David says only those who have clean hands and a pure heart. I don't know about you, but there's so many days that that's not me. 
God, would you purify us? God, would you reset our purity? Maybe for you it's your faith. Maybe for you it's your life. It can be all different kinds of things, and we think about like just practical things. Like I think about, I got some uh, things here. I'm like, what are the things that we struggle with in our lives? You know, we got all kinds of things that we go through. I mean, we got, you know, all kinds of people do things. I mean, they, they, they spend time doing all kinds of things, right? You think of how much time do we spend wasting on all kinds of just things? How much time do you spend on your phone or computer? We say Jesus is most important, and yet how many times have you checked Instagram today? Like, can you imagine if you fasted from social media and said, Jesus, reset my time. You know, maybe for you, you're partying. We're on a college campus. And I guarantee there's some bars that are hopping right now. There's going to be a party later on tonight, I'm sure somewhere. Maybe for you, you're saying reset that. Maybe for you, it's some kind of addiction. You know, I don't know, television. Maybe for you, it's sex. Maybe you're just not living a pure life. Maybe for you, I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know what it is in your life. I got razor blades people have brought at events and said, I've been doing self-harm, and I've been thinking about suicide, and, and I just keep these. Somebody gave me a bullet. They were like, man, I was going to kill somebody, and so I put it on this, uh, this necklace here. I'm like, God, what is it in your life? I mean, let's get real. Let's get personal. Let's get specific. Let's ask Jesus to change us. You know, and sometimes I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but does anybody want freedom in this place? Like, I'm like, like God, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And so we come to an event like this and we get all fired up, right? I mean, Francis Chan just spoke. Did you hear that? I mean, Francis Chan and Carrie Jones is going to get up later. It's awesome. It's all these things to get excited about. And we get all ramped up and we're like, God, I'm here. And God, I just need you to change it. And I don't know about you, but I want to get rid of all this stuff. Is anybody with me? Like, I just want it gone. Anybody? And so I'm like, God, we need you. And so I, I brought my gas can tonight. I'm like, come on, Jesus. And I don't know what you think, but I'm like, I think it's about time to take care of this a little bit tonight and say, God, would you come and would you set us free? I don't know what you're thinking. I'm like, come on. I want a big flame tonight. I want a big flame. You know, and I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're like, is he really going to do this? Is he really going to do this? I'm praying for God to move to, is anybody with me tonight? Are you ready? My eyebrows are about to be gone. That was anticlimactic. I saw you, listen guys, this gas can is full of apple juice. But I just want to tell you something tonight. I want you to think about this, okay? On the outside, this looks like it's together. It looks like everything's there, right? It looks like everything's together. And I just want to ask you tonight, how many times have you come and brought the same thing to God? And you're like, God, I'm bringing this emotion. God, I'm going to try really hard this time. God, this time I mean it. 
And so we're coming and we're like, God, would you do it, Lord? And we keep striking those matches. And yet God's like, it's a show. On the outside, it looks real. But on the inside, what is going on? Tonight, I want to tell you, you can be free. I can be free. We can have life tonight. But I want to tell you, there's only one power that can do it. It's not Carrie Job. It's not Francis Chan. It's not your pastor or Bible study leader. It's not that televangelist. There is one hope for your life tonight. There is one supernatural power of God, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. And so tonight, we're coming. We're coming. This isn't about a show. This isn't about emotion. This is about Jesus. This is about the Son of God. He paid for your sin and my sin. He shed his blood. He died on that cross. He was beaten and bruised for you and for me. And he conquered it once and for all. I mean, not only did he die for it, but he defeated it. He rose from the grave. He's alive tonight in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I don't know if you believe that. And he's also alive wherever you are watching this. There's a group in Bismarck, North Dakota gathering saying, Jesus, we need you. But here's the deal, guys, man. You can say the right words. You can pray the right, you can sing the right songs. You can put your hands up in that perfect posture. I mean it this time, God. You can do like the prayer bob, like I'm really into it now. We need Jesus. And so I'm going to invite you right now, man, just to continue in this moment. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe there's something in your life. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to pull out your cell phone. This might feel really unspiritual. I want you to pull out your phone. I want to ask you tonight to do something. We've been asking people all over America saying, Jesus is offering a reset. He's offering a second chance. He's offering a new beginning. And it's for all of us. This isn't for all of those people. We as Christians love to talk about those people, the really messed up ones. No, this is for you. <laughs> this is for me. I'm the messed up one. I need Jesus. But you know what? Everybody's invited. Jesus is offering a reset, and we're looking to him. And so with your phone out, I want to ask you, what is it in your life tonight that you need to be reset from? I want you to bow your heads. I want you to look down at your cell phone screen. I want you to open up a new text message. And I want you to think about this. I'm going to put some numbers on the screen. And I want you to post your prayer and share what you're asking Jesus to reset tonight. You just text in like this. Text into the number 73738. Text in, reset my blank. First word, reset, then put my. You can put a novel after that if you want. 
or you can put one word. You just text it in. And after you hit send, I just want you to sit in this moment and say, God, I'm bringing it to you. I'm putting my trust, not in emotion, not in an event, but I'm putting my trust in the blood-bought hope that Jesus offers. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive, to cleanse. Francis shared, if my people called by my name will humble themselves, God's listening. Right now, just bring it to him. Just come to him right now. Maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. In fact, I want to invite you right now all across this place. If there's something you're praying for a reset, I just want you to share it out loud. Say, Jesus, reset my whatever. And if somebody prays next to you, I want you to pray in agreement with them and for them. Just lift up your prayer right now, wherever you are. Just out loud, Jesus, reset my, and we're just going to pray together. Just lift up your voice to him. I just want you to pray with me right now all across this place. Let's just pray to God, asking him to come in and forgive us and cleanse us. I just want you to repeat after me. We're just going to pray to God. We're going to pray to Jesus. We're going to invite him to come in and set us free. Right now, this is the moment. I just want you to pray with me out loud. Say this. Say, dear Jesus, I need you in my life. Would you forgive me the things I've done wrong? I repent and I ask you to reset me. I look to you, Jesus, 
I believe you died on the cross. You defeated my sin, my death. You rose from the grave. And tonight I'm inviting you to lead my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Set me free. Help me to follow you. Help me to give everything for you. says in God's word that when one person turns from sin, says there's a party in heaven. I don't know what that sounds like tonight, but can we join with the angels for just a minute and make some noise right here in Mariucci Arena to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> 